Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hey, what's up? This is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Do you like how I slipped in that casual salutation? I thought maybe you were accidentally going to slide into one of your other podcasts. Oh, sure. So I could be like, I'm your 30 under 30. (laughs) Every time, Rachel has never seen me do that before, but every time I do a jerk off motion with my hands, um, because it's, I don't really, it's all just labels, but the motion man. he does is not the one you expect. No, it's, um, I do sort of a figure eight. <laughs> I make sort of a superhero mask. Um, but anyway, this is wonderful. And this is a show where we talk about things that are good and things that we think are good and things that we like. Yes. And are good. Um, yes. Let's start out with some free advertising. Rachel and I are wearing matching me undies, uh, onesies right now, covered in some springtime strawberries. Yeah. I got home, immediately put it on, and then we proceeded with our evening. And then when I came back from putting Henry down, Griffin was like, I'm going to put on my pajamas. Slipped right into something more comfortable and um, the erotic energy that it creates. Can we also talk about how we're both having a glass of Chardonnay? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, Rachel and I are going through a change, a metamorphosis. We're becoming 70-year-old women. (laughs) Couples in their 30s sometimes go through, and it can be very exciting for some Uh and not exciting for pretty much everyone else, most of them. Uh But for me and Rachel, it's just a lot of just kinetic. We've never been like a matchy-matchy couple. No. Intentionally. Intentionally. I think sometimes yes. we accidentally do it, but yes. we've never like intentionally bought the same ensemble. This before. is true. One other thing that we do have in common right now is that we're both excited that the maximum fun drive is still kicking, still rocking. Yes. You still can't put this one back and can't put Max Fun Drive in the we corner. We had to record our previous Max Fun Drive episode before the drive had started. Yes. And so the enthusiasm level was a little doctored. Well, yeah, and now you know the phony sort of weta works. Uh, <laughs> but this one. This one's real deal real. Holyfield. Also, we are in the thick of it. Also, we haven't recorded this show in nearly three weeks, yes. as opposed to recording three episodes of this show in about one week. <laughs> so we're going to get uh, just a lot of gratitude, I think, um, yes. especially towards those who go to MaximumFund.org slash donate and help us uh, meet our goal of 25,000 new and upgrading members. Just a couple... Up, up just a couple days left until the drive is uh, ended. And so this is the, the right time for you to hop on and uh, support us in any way that you can. There's a whole bunch of different donation levels and a bunch of great rewards you can get for each one. And we're going to talk about those later, but um, it really means the world to us. We um, we have been getting a lot of support in this drive and we have in previous years too. And uh, especially after we changed topics pretty drastically, uh, the support y'all have shown us has been really fantastic and um, yeah, really, really meaningful to Rachel and I. And it's just a good way to sort of like, endorse the stuff that you want to be in the world by uh by by supporting us super directly uh through through the max fund drive it's really it's really validating uh because it's just me and griffin talking about things we like mm-hmm. uh and so to get support for that is maybe the most rewarding thing in yeah. my professional life uh yeah rachel and i were both uh donors to the network before we even joined it me a very long time ago and and rachel before we we started doing rose buddies and uh yeah it just it means a lot and again it's maximumfund.org slash donate there's cool rewards and we're gonna talk about those later but first do we have any small wonders though i wanted to bring up yeah the rose quartz face roller that you got me yeah 
several months ago. Yes, yeah, so this is a this is a, an object that is heavily featured in <laughs> Terrace House, and so I figured it would. A lot be of times a on gift. Terrace House, they're made of jade, but mm. it almost looks like like a long paint roller you would use on a wall. Yes, except it's about the size of your hand. Uh, and you rub it on your face. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's supposed to be all these purported benefits to it. I don't know if any of those are true, but it, it's nice and cool. Yeah. And it just feels good to rub my face. Gooshes the toxins out, I think is what they yeah. are purporting. Uh, yeah, I tried using it on my face and my stubble gets caught in the mechanisms and it hurts <laughs> a lot. So it's weird because for me, it has the literal exact opposite mm-hmm. effect where it doesn't de-stress me. It hurts mm-hmm. me physically i also like to just use it while i'm watching terrace house and i just feel like oh, i'm yeah. really really tapping into the moment and the culture yeah boy howdy i wish we had some sort of avenue to discuss terrace house and the ending of opening new doors we're one episode from finishing it and holy shit it well, maybe is a that wild should be a ride goal if we maybe, get to 25 yeah. 000, we will <laughs> we'll do, do our i don't even know that i would like i would enjoy this episode where we just we just like a support group would be a better <laughs> sort of name for it um i wanted to bring the um god i just watched some old uh like late night sketches today i was inspired there i think um split cider or somebody wrote about the slipnuts sketch that conan did where three of his writers they're writing about it because they're like putting all those old sketches up just finally got like access to share all that stuff and the slipknot sketch is just three uh conan writers and it's like a classic sketch uh one of whom is john glazer from um parks and rec he plays uh the councilman who was jeremy jam yeah Yeah. uh he also has a i think a show about tech uh he's very funny but these these three writers form a comedy group called slipknots and they just appear on the same show that Slipknot is performing on. And then they did a follow-up sketch where they literally actually opened for a concert for Slipknot. And the whole thing is just there. Three guys wearing red vests slipping on nuts. And I watched that and I was so entertained. And then I watched the Dave Letterman, How Many Spider-Men Can We Fit Inside a Jamba Juice, which is probably the best. If you've never seen that, just Google Spider-Man Jamba Juice. And it's my favorite, like, eight minutes of late night comedy Yeah, there's a lot of folks, and it makes sense to me the younger generation that don't understand the appeal of David Letterman and watching sketches like that really gives you a taste. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, they get a lot of Spider-Man and Jamba Juice. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. There's um, a lot that I want to discuss about it, that. Yeah, but, but it's a, it's better if you go in unspoiled. Um, I've also been playing a Switch game called Baba Is You that's really good and I won't go like super in depth. It's just a, a recommendation. It's like a puzzle game and you're a little dog named Baba And then there's like, you know, walls and rocks and a flag and you have to touch the flag to win and you can push the rocks around. But what uh, like the puzzle mechanic is that there's also words on the screen that you can also push around to like change the rules of the game. So there's one that will say like Baba is you, but you can push rock into that sentence and now rock is you and now you're the rock. Or you can set it to like wall is you and now you're all the walls in the level and you just have to like get one of them to the flag. That's a switch game. Yeah, it's a Switch game, and it's so fucking hard. It's so hard. It makes me feel like a, a, a total dingus. Um, but it's really, really good. Uh, really, really clever game. Uh, I go first this week. Cool. My first thing is I forget. I forget because my computer went to sleep. The Buffet. Oh, just the concept? The Buffet. The concept of buffet serving. I'm not talking about one specific buffet. 
Um, but I just didn't, I do enjoy a buffet. There was plenty of buffet opportunities for us while we were on the cruise, uh, which is and a, also at Disney and at Disney. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had a we had a good old time at both places. Uh, we, so many people came up to to Rachel and I uh, oh to gosh, tell us about wonderful. It was it was really really remarkable, and that was that was very special. But the buffet, the buffet. <laughs> what I love about the buffet is that you can win and lose at the buffet. Oh. It's possible to do a buffet. Oh, wrong. you mean like like there are optimum choices and yes. you have to seek them out. There are optimum choices, both sort of like good food wise and also feeling good afterwards wise and it's re- it's actually kind of hard to split the uprights in fact i would say i i love the buffet but i'm very bad at successfully doing the I'm buffet i'm kind of fascinated so do you do like a mental calculus when you look at food on the buffet no. and say like this is going to be beneficial for me this will not play out well. No, I don't do that with any food basically okay. at all. Okay. Um, I've gotten better at, at seeing foods as dangers and thinking like that will hurt me if I eat too much of that or too spicy of that or whatever, too dairy of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, when I'm at the buffet table walking down the line, it's full-blown fucking muscle reflex, primitive animal <laughs> instinct where it's like, like, and that's what I like about it is that you can surprise yourself at buffet where you're walking down buffet and you're like, I did not know that I wanted rib roast. But there's rib roast, and there's something in my fucking soul, no, in my DNA, true. that wants that rib roast, so I'll have it. That's true. Sometimes if you see something on a menu, you're like, I don't know that that's what I want. But if you can look at it yeah. and, and really smell it. Those like twice baked potatoes, that's like half a potato skin, and then they've like mulched up the potato meat inside and mixed it with stuff and then baked it back into the original skin. Uh-huh. I only fucking see those at the buffet. I never see that on a <laughs> menu. True. And I'm like, let me get one of the, but I see that at the buffet. And I'm like, what's going on in that little boat? Yeah. And then I'll consume it. Yeah. And that's fun too. Um, it's, I, I just, I also, the desserts, I always, I am not a big dessert person, just sort of, I mean, I like sweet gummy candies and you know this to be true. I do. But like, I'm not like a, I don't know, I, I, I'm 50-50 when we go to a restaurant about whether or not I actually want dessert. Um, but if I go down a buffet where there's 15 different desserts, I'm going to have to try pretty much all of them because I do want to know like what's going on uh, with that little thing. And they're usually so bite sized that yeah. you can kind of fool yourself into thinking um, just I'm pretty good. I've gotten better at like dietary, like moderation. But when I see desserts, man, I just want to act right. <laughs> um, and there's just no other experience where you get to scratch so many different food itches. At the same time, which I really like. The like, buffet, I don't know if this is part of your segment, but I just want to give a shout out to the buffet at the Crystal Palace Magic Kingdom. Mm. It was so good. It was fucking great. It was like $60 a person, which is obviously not ideal, but you get to rub shoulders with the fucking stars. By shoulders, I mean elbows, but I don't think Eeyore has elbows. <laughs> and that the stars, I mean, are the Winnie the Poohiverse. I am talking specifically about the uh, the items that were featured, including like a jambalaya, which I'd never seen in a buffet before, and then like a cornbread, spoon bread. They had a situation. spoon bread. It was fantastic. Thank you, Walt, for your great breads. Um, for me, growing up, we had a lot of buffet opportunities, including the Golden Corral, which I've talked about at length. Yeah, and my, I think, you know, I've never been to one. You really have not been to a Golden Corral. No. It's a trip, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> You've got it all, I've man. been to a Luby's like once. That's all right, but it's no Golden Corral. Okay. Uh, for me, it, the place we went the most was up by the mall. It was called Super China Buffet, and it was one of like three Chinese buffets in Huntington, which is amazing. <laughs> and Super China Buffet had uh, frog legs on it. Whoa. Yeah, and it also had uh, crab legs. So for me and, oh, what, wow. and my needs, and they were not good crab legs, but baby, it's still crab. And so I would go there and just mow down crab legs. Um, and that explains it would be bad. You have such a strong affection for crab legs. And I thought, like, where are you getting these crab well, legs that's in from, Huntington, West Virginia? It, it, the origins of that is mostly from like going to the Carolinas and Florida with my dad, who is a wild uh, Kodiak bear <laughs> sometimes uh, so I looked up the origins uh, the, uh, the the origins uh, it's it's tough to say mostly it's from uh, the you're familiar with the term smorgas, smorgasbord it's the Swedish origin smorgasbord. I am, but I kind of want to pretend that I'm not so you'll say it a few more times okay I'm gonna say it bad like <laughs> the kid in the commercial and embarrass oh, what myself what about the Swedish chef will you say it like he does smorgasbord oh god that's good thank you um, this was a meal where folks had uh, a pre-dinner drink uh, typically uh, and this is we're talking about like 1600s but as time went on especially in like the 1800s it started to sort of fall more along the lines of the uh, modern buffet and the Swedes showed off this like technique on a global scale in 1939 uh, at the New York World Fair uh, where they showed it off as like a way to feed lots of people very quickly which I appreciate uh, the word buffet is French and it describes the like type of furniture that this type of food was served on oh, and in, yeah, of in, course. in fact uh, the buffet sort of dining experience is like categorized as service a la Francois uh, which means in the French style which could be a <laughs> own thing um and it basically describes a meal where everything is served all at once so it doesn't have to necessarily be a buffet but a buffet is technically served in the french style family style right as opposed to in the russian style which is more like just one one thing at a time building Mm -hmm. um and a little bit more history there's a 1922 housekeeping book called how to prepare and serve a meal uh and it describes the the concept of eating a buffet was popularized in mid-17 century France. Uh, this is from uh, the, this excerpt. Uh, gentlemen callers would arrive at the homes of ladies they wanted to woo unexpectedly. The surprise arrival would throw the kitchen staff into a panic and the only food that could be served was a selection of what was found in the cold room. These horny dudes are just like let's what's up hey what's up you up and then the whole staff would be like oh shit what do we got in the fridge <laughs> jerry's back um apparently the knife was taboo at the buffet lunch you were not supposed to use a knife so it was like food that can be eaten with a fork or a spoon or your fingers um huh. yes yeah, so the following dishes cover the essentials of a buffet luncheon as it was known back then beverages punch coffee chocolate poured from urn or filled cups from pantry entree hey what's up hey 17th century france y'all just had urns of chocolate lying around <laughs> i'm here for that hot entrees of various sorts served from chafing dish or platter preceded by hot bouillon cold entrees salads lobster potatoes chicken shrimp with heavy dressings hot rolls wafer cut sandwiches small cakes frozen creams and ices that's a pretty opulent buffet for this horny I mean, dude that just rolled up. There's something really um, excessive and like gluttonous about a buffet just in its very nature. Yes. Like we are going to set out 
more food than you could want. And yes. we're just going to leave it there. And if you don't take it, we'll probably have to throw it away. Right. Which brings us to the actual, the terminology, all you can eat, yeah. uh, which uh, is attributed to a, a guy named Herb McDonald, who was a, an entertainment manager in Las Vegas in the 40s. Okay. Uh, and he sort of like introduced the the idea of all you can eat although i'm sure that this like he introduced the phrase not necessarily the yeah, it idea makes sense that it would start in vegas because i feel like yeah that's of, a big deal yeah of course uh these days uh, it's actually becoming more increasingly common uh to see the phrase all you care to eat which is like a way of softening the language <laughs> and like encouraging yeah. I, I saw that at all the places at disney and i think on the on the cruise as well as if to say like listen <laughs> I don't want you to hurt yourself. Like yeah, eat, eat all you want. <laughs> we're not trying to break any records. Exactly. Here. <laughs> uh, and in fact, there's a lot of like science into like how much people decide to eat at a buffet based on certain environmental factors. Yeah, uh, it, I can imagine like the plate size, for example. Well, that's one thing. But also in 2011, MIT conducted a study on how the prices of buffets uh, changed how much people ate at those buffets. Uh, this is the abstract from that study. Uh, a field experiment at an all-you-can-eat pizza restaurant, CC's, right? Like, what yeah, the fuck else is no, it? that's gotta be it. Uh, shows that a 50% discount on the price of the meal led customers to consume 27.9% less pizza, 2.95 versus 4.09 slices. A second analysis indicated that individual taste ratings of this pizza tended to be inversely related to how much is consumed. This is fantastic. Yes. Basically saying if you pay less for the all-you-can-eat buffet, you will eat less. But yeah. if you pay more, yeah. you will eat a lot more, and then you're going to feel like such shit at the end of it that you're going to be like, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, because if a buffet costs $40, I'd be like, well, I want to eat $40 worth of food, so I yes. feel like I really cashed in. <laughs> for me, I paid $60, and I had an incredible rib roast and those weird potatoes and some like barbecue wings all at the same yeah. time. Thank you, Disney World. And and I was like, I need to go back and eat more and more and more because it doesn't feel like I've got my money's worth. And then Piglet rolled up and I was like, never mind. Yeah. Ironically, Piglet, you have kept me from over consuming at this buffet. <laughs> Thank you for your service. What's your first thing? My first thing is also a tribute to our travels. Okay. Um, it's my orcas. Yes, oh, little sandwiches yes. we had in San Juan. Ooh, yes. Mm -hmm. This is a new passion of mine. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mallorcas. It's fun to say, uh -huh. even more fun to eat. It's mm -hmm. fun to look at and fantasize about. So we had never been to Puerto Rico. This is true. And I want to provide a small disclaimer, which is that we went there on a cruise ship and spent all of maybe four <laughs> hours there. If that. <laughs> we spent maybe two hours there before we had to go back and take a nap. And then we went outside for another 45 minutes where we got caught in the rain and had yeah. to go back to the to the boat. Yeah. Uh, but we had a fucking great time in that very limited time uh -huh. span. But I would we not did. say, I would say argue maybe that we still have not been to Puerto Rico. Yeah. So we were in Old San Juan, and uh, one of the things you can find there is Mallorcas, which actually, so that's named after the Spanish island where they originated. Uh, in Mallorca, the actual region, they call it uh, Ensamada. Okay. Uh, which is a pastry product. Uh, it is a sweet, soft bun that is in a kind of uh, a spiral shape yeah it's imagine sort of a laminated um almost like what's the like it was crispy almost like a crispy croissant like a thin crispy croissant with uh with cool stuff inside yeah exactly uh so 
the restaurant we went to was Bombonera, uh, which uh, there's an article in the New York Times from 2013 all about that restaurant. Oh, really? Yeah, it closed briefly. This woman wrote about it because she grew up going there. And then when it closed, she talks about trying to create her own replication. Oh, of their, wow. Their dish. A uh, huge thanks to Lynn for the suggestion on that, because yeah. otherwise we would not have known where to go at all. So the coiled bun uh, is uh, buttered and uh, pressed flat with a griddle and then sprinkled with confectioner's sugar. Yes. Uh, we had them on sandwich, like in a sandwich In sandwich form, setup. yes. Yeah. Um, but you can also get them uh, filled with custard cream or almond puree or ice cream or chocolate apricots yes it's very choose your own adventure it's very much like kolaches for Mm -hmm. i mean they're they are different in substance but they are similar in freedom so the first written reference to this pastry was back in the 17th century um at that time although wheat flour was mainly used for making bread there's evidence that this pastry product was made for festivals and celebrations i imagine it's very difficult to make these yeah, so the article talks about this recipe you can find on a website called The Noshery. tells you how to make them in your own oven. Yeah. Uh, and, um. and the reviews, I guess, are, are relatively positive as far as taste goes, but um, the person that wrote the article said that they kind of ballooned to a out-of-control size when she made them herself. Yeah, well, I mean, any kind of like laminated pastry like this is such a pain in the ass mm-hmm. to make. And that, it, that is why I'm, I think and they're miraculous. And it's just got flour, water, sugar, eggs. Um, but the, the whether you use lard or vegetable shortening and how much kind of makes the difference. Yeah. I'm looking at this recipe now that you were talking yeah. about, and they say, just get ready to set aside your entire day for this, which makes sense because <laughs> we were at the place and we kept ordering things, and they're like, we don't have that anymore. We don't have that anymore. It was yeah. 11 o'clock, and they were almost entirely out of these Mallorcas. So I read that if you're going to make this like at a bakery, you, you get up at like 4 a.m. to oh, do it, just, just like most bakeries do with their breads and pastries. Yes. Uh, so apparently there's a there's a place and i didn't do a lot of research on this but the article i read said that there's uh and i apologize i don't speak spanish but uh panificadora pepen is a bread company in san juan that takes mail orders oh shit and so apparently it arrives in a sheet of dough divided into tear-off buns and a packet of confectioner's sugar and you can (sighs) bake them in your own oven oh that's very good i know that's very exciting for me on a personal, irresponsible level. <laughs> um, but yeah, this 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 was uh, just a new, exciting thing for me. Yeah, um, it's not anything. Apparently, like Starbucks sells a version of it, but they don't heat it up, uh, and it just kind of it doesn't taste at all the huh. same. Uh, we had them with egg and serrano ham, and I had mine with ham and cheese. Uh, okay, I had mine with egg and ham and cheese. Yeah. But the, with the confectioner sugar, it's a very much... Have you ever had a Monte Cristo? It's very much... It, it yeah. was reminiscent of a Monte Cristo in the like savory and sweet, and also there's fucking powdered sugar for some reason that I'm not complaining yeah, about. buttery and... Oh, it's oh so they good. were so good. 
so good. It was so exciting to know that I only had a few hours in a place and uh-huh. I got to have something that was actually like traditional in that area. Yeah, we could, <laughs> it was we had a great time on the cruise, but that was like the most dense good two hours because yeah. we like walked around. What was it? The fort, the San uh, Cristobal, castle. yeah, and uh, had like coconut ice cream while sitting in like a park, and then yeah. went and had these tasty little sandwiches. It was like the best, the best time. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, let's talk some more about the Maximum Fun Drive and really start diving down into those donation levels. You want to start by talking about the $5 a month level? I would like to. So, and as somebody has talked to, done the research to how many hours of bonus content, and it's well over 200 hours of bonus content. It's a tremendous So if you donate $5 a month, uh, you will get access to every piece of bonus content that has ever gone up on the website. For any show. And every year shows are charged with putting at least one piece of content up there. So... Again, over 200 hours. We have our most recent episode where we did a sort of career retrospective with Will Smith about <laughs> yeah, Will Smith. Yeah, not you with say him. with Will Smith. That might be Maybe, overselling. Uh, it. We didn't ask, and it never hurts to ask. That's true. We need to ask. Um, we did an episode with Jasmine Lorimer, who was the uh, Bachelorette Canada, which was uh, fantastic. Still, yeah. still miss watching that show. Not necessarily the the American version. Um, and yeah, we have a bunch of stuff that I bet you're just gonna absolutely love. Um, and yeah, it's a ton of stuff. We get a lot of people like tweets from people saying like, sorry, I can only donate at $5 a month, but like it, I mean, that means a lot that, that level of support, um, you know, five bucks a month. I, I know that's not nothing. And it, it, it is a way to directly support us. Whenever you donate at maximumfund.org slash donate, you get to choose where your money, uh, which, which shows get your, your donation. So, uh, $10 a month, we get this pin. The pin is very good. The pin has a hot dog on it and it says small wonders and Megan Lynn Cott designed it. Now, wait, you can pick whatever shows pin you want. Yes, of course. I made it sound like you have to pick ours, but yeah, you don't. But come on. I think what is so perfect about it being a pin with a hot dog on it is I feel like the hot dog is so emblematic of our show because the hot dog is something that Griffin and I casually, like over the years of our relationship, have revealed to each other is like a genuine piece of enthusiasm for well, us. You don't want to show that hand day one. No. Because what if they think a hot dog is nasty? Yeah, it was just kind of casually Griffin and I realized that we were both real devotees of the yeah. hot dog. Um, also, you get a Maximum Fund men- membership card. Uh, $20 a month, you get the 550-piece Maximum Fund puzzle uh, that uh, it looks like a, a person with headphones looking out the window of the Max Fund HQ office. Uh, it's a very nice puzzle, and you can listen to our show while you do it, or you can do anything else while doing the puzzle I'm not, <laughs> not all the puzzles can guarantee you that that is true sometimes you buy a puzzle and it tells you exactly what you have to do while you're putting it together uh 35 not this puzzle, not this puzzle. 35 dollars <laughs> a month you get a glass coffee mug that is engraved with the max fun rocket logo um and every time you move up a level you get everything in the private the, the, the previous things um these are for new donors but also if you're uh, an existing member of the network you can upgrade your membership to one of these new levels and uh you will you'll be eligible for these rewards and that is obviously very helpful for us too because we're trying to get to twenty five thousand new and upgrading members uh as of right now i think we're a little over twelve thousand five hundred or so we're, we're over halfway which is awesome but we also know we're almost at eighteen thousand. oh damn yeah well, that's way better, but we're uh-huh. still not at that goal, and we need to get to that 25000 mm-hmm. Um 
And yeah, you all have been so supportive of us. Uh, this is my full-time job. It's like uh, Justin and Travis and dads too. And that's only because of uh, the support you've been able to, to show us over the years. And the, the support you've shown me and Rachel has been really fantastic. And Can I address something that please. was um, indicated on Twitter? Uh-oh. Uh, people started suggesting that if they gave more donations that I could get a nicer chair. <laughs> and then your brother Justin was like, Rachel, I will buy you a chair with your permission. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't address it because okay. I wanted to talk it over with you. No, I mean I want you to have a nice chair. Yeah. I do uh, can I sorry. I didn't know the chair you had now is not nice. It's just you're sitting in this really beautiful, sleek this office. This was like chair. a ninety dollar office depot um, chair. Uh, well, how much was my folding chair? Yeah, Fifteen. <laughs> But listen, listen here, hotshot. I've been at this game for a decade or so now. So you're saying after 10 years, I can get an upgrade. You're at a quarter of the podcasting experience that I bring to the table. And so you're working your you're working your way up, hotshot. This is like Cars 3 all over again. I've not seen Cars 3. I apologize for conjuring its name. I want you to have a nice chair. I don't want my brother to have to get you a nice chair. That makes me feel bad. <laughs> that makes me feel bad as a husband and as a co-host and a collaborator. Uh, anyway, help Rachel get a nice chair. Go to maximumfund.org slash donate. Uh, support the things you you care about and uh, put put good stuff back into the into the world with your uh, with your support. And we thank you very much. Do you want to know about my second thing? Yes. My second thing is introspection. Oh, so this is interesting because Mm. I know that you're not a person that meditates. Or am I? Have I been secret? No, I'm not. Yeah. I downloaded the Headspace app, which uh, seems good. And I did like four, like three minute long sessions. And on the fourth one, like I kept trying to do it over the course of like three days because I kept getting like distracted or bored. Um, And that's how meditation starts, though. I'm sure it is. Yes, you just you gotta gotta have that discipline to push through for sure. I but the the two things are not exactly the same, right? The Venn diagram is, I think, meditation is an incredible way of of being introspective and sort of looking inward with a, a different perspective. But it's not necessarily the only. No, that's the only true. Way. I think introspection though can also cause uh, anxious thoughts, depending on how you approach it. I think so for sure as well. Um, but I also think that it's a, a tool for growth that I am uh, kind of in, in I'm in my feels right now. I'm oh. in a period of being in my feels, as, um, as they say. I need clarification on what that means, I think. In my feelings. Okay. Sort of just taking the deep, hard look at that dark, truthful oh, mirror. Okay. Is this um, like when you, you would uh, sit out and look at the ocean when we were on the cruise? The cruise was vital for this movement in uh, in my the era that I find myself in. Um, I am I uh, I am not a very sort of introspective person, generally speaking. Um, and this is going to sound shitty, but just because like I never really had time for it, or rather, I never really made time for it. Um, yeah, I think making time for it is what is worth emphasizing. Yeah, um, uh, because I I feel like I have always been a very introspective person, but that's kind of comes with territory where you're an only child. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> Stealing uh, your thoughts. Me, I was too busy dodging baseball bats that my brothers were throwing <laughs> yeah. at me. Um, and then more recently, you know, I I uh, I was working a lot. 
uh, for the last few years and uh, kept myself so busy during the days that I just like, you know, I wasn't really taking care of myself from a from an introspective uh, uh, you know, way of, way of thinking, but going on that cruise, uh, and, and, you know, you don't have to go on a cruise to have this experience, but the only times in my life where I feel like I've gotten some perspective on how I, uh, how I think about stuff and how I actually spend my days and the patterns that I like live in, uh, only came after removing myself from those, from those patterns for a long time. Right. Like, so I don't, I don't meditate, but going out on the ocean where I don't have internet access and I am not on my phone and I'm not at work and I'm not in my office. And instead I'm just like spending time with my family for two straight weeks. Like that's a time for me to like take a look at the way that I spend the, the other 50 weeks of the year and say like, Oh, okay, this is how I'm actually living. And I don't realize it when I'm like living in it. Yeah. Um, and I've had a few times like that, like our trip to Japan for our honeymoon was like similarly, like, you know, breaking me out of the, the patterns that I I was living in. And, uh, I think that's like the only times that I really am able to, to get that perspective. I think that's kind of like a low key reason why people love travel so much. I think it's for me, it's my favorite reason why I love travel. Um, because I think introspection is like a valuable activity for like, uh, you know, improving, Im- improving yourself as a human being, right? Like, uh, I think that uh, I have like a lot of bad habits. Uh, and I really it is hard for me when I'm like mired in them to like really, you know, f- figure out which ones are bad habits and which things like I would be happier without uh, until I sort of take a take a, a, a look inward uh, and that is a that is a super tough thing to do. The dictionary definition of introspection, just so like people have a specific, not sort of wavery thing I'm talking about, is the examination or observation of one's own mental and emotional processes. The dictionary provides a synonym, which is just soul searching, which is nice. Um, but I think it, it can go further than that. Like I think it can be about your behaviors and habits and your actions and the way that you like spend your time and I think any time where you are able to see a clear picture a like holistic picture of how you how you live from like the outside uh in is like a really really valuable moment and I feel like I just got a nice glimpse of that while we were on the cruise and it made me think about how like grateful I was that we were able to we were able to do that uh, obviously, it's like an important concept across like all kinds of different philosophical and uh, religious practices. But I also think it's just like a, a good thing to try and do for yourself, like during everyday living. I think we've talked about journaling before, which yeah. I think is another great way to to handle this. Uh, and I fell off. We were I, I was doing some journaling, like actually around the time when we started doing this show. Uh, and I fell off and then I just started again because I was like, you know, this is valuable. This is a valuable way for me to like categorize how I'm yeah. how I'm actually thinking and doing. And then I went back and read like what I wrote back in late 2017. And I was like, oh, shit, I was like a different person like a yeah. year and a half ago. Like I, the things I was really worried about and the things that I was like, like I spent all of my time thinking about are nothing to me now. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to like get that sort of perspective also on your past self and say like, yeah. Oh, well if I wasn't, if I'm not worried about that shit anymore, then like, why am I so bogged down with the stuff I'm, it is, I'm in It now? is interesting to journal because part of you, like it's inevitable that part of you is thinking about future you as you're writing it. You know, like I right. feel like anytime I've journaled, I've always thought like this is going to be a little time capsule for me. Yeah. Uh, 
and and so it's you're you're writing to yourself a little bit as an audience, and it's like kind of, it's a very like wild experience to do that. I'm bad about when I'm journaling, like writing to an audience. I can literally like I don't, and maybe this is like a good sort of McElroy observation, but like I can't not. I find myself yeah. like not being able to just like write without thinking about syntax and like uh wit and stuff like that and i feel so self-conscious about that but then going back and reading what i wrote in 2017 being like ah i appreciate that this is just readable in some way yeah uh if not like weirdly harsh like what were you what was up back then geez bud (laughs) um yeah i don't know i i I realize this is like a strange thing to talk about on the show but i it is a it's a really rare thing for me and i it shouldn't be right like i should be more sort of keyed into what I'm what I'm feeling when I think yeah, about it's but interesting it surprises me that you you haven't identified as being an introspective person because I see you as like a very sensitive thoughtful person but so if you're not being introspective what do you what's going on in there I mean I'm a thoughtful <laughs> person in like the things that I make and the yeah. the the is way- that what your brain's spinning around most of the time most of the time, like it's about getting getting stuff done, right? It's yeah. about getting stuff done, and it's about getting it done well, and it's about um, trying to be a good, you know, husband and dad, and you know, brother and son, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But like, I'm not really thinking about like, uh, like my own. Why sort do of, I do the things I do? Right, and I'm not even. This isn't necessarily explicitly mental health stuff because you know I'm I'm and see a therapist and I'm doing all kinds of stuff for that. It's like a. It's like a more holistic, like, what am I do? Like, what am I doing? What am I really doing? And this ties back into like, um, there are times where I feel like I am bad at actually knowing how hard I'm working. So I'll be like, oh God, I'm really putting my nose to the grindstone. I'm so beat down. And it's like, you played Baba is you for three hours today. Like you're not. <laughs> or it can be like, oh man, I need to really put, 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 put my nose to the grindstone and really grind this out. And it's like, you stayed up until one last night like writing music like you are already working and it's it's that kind of stuff when you're like in it that it's really hard to like take a look at the 24 hours that you just had and say like oh this is this is the way i was yeah you Um, know what it does seem like journaling be good for you yeah that's why that's why i'm doing it thanks pal (laughs) uh so yeah introspection you know take a take a breath diffuse some fucking oils you know in uh in in the whole meditation culture they call that mindfulness sure there's a lot of different wonderful synonyms for it whatever you got to do contemplate your shit and just take a take a look Take a look. And it's, if it's in a book. It's in a book. It's Reading not. Rainbow. No, stop. It's not in a book. It's in you. <laughs> if you read a book, you're not. Unless it's a book about introspection. Mm. Oh. Ah. Well, if you wrote that book, would it just be like, hey, put this down. Put this down. It would be one page. Put, put <laughs> hey, this down. Hey, hey, put this down. Put this down. Think about yourself. Think pick, about. Pick think, it up. Pick it up. Nope. Put it back down. Oh, wait, pick it up, pick it up. Think about yourself. Okay, put it back down. I'll see you in, my, in the sequel. For real, think about yourself. What's your second thing? My second thing. It's difficult to like fully articulate, but the best way I can think to do it is the rite of passage that is the first kiss. Oh my God. Not the first kiss typically is not a first kisses are not typically wonderful. Do you remember yours? Yes. And that's the thing. This is, this is where, this is what occurred to me is that I feel like everybody has a first kiss story and it is 
always delightful to hear. Oh, is it? I, is it delightful to I just Is it delightful? <laughs> I I feel like it's a really it's a story that I always enjoy hearing from somebody because it is almost always terrible, but in a very entertaining, detailed way. Like people that are not storytellers, people that are like, oh, I can't tell jokes or mm. oh, I'm a horrible storyteller, are usually pretty good at telling their first kiss story. Okay. Uh and I love that. We can't not, you know, we can't not tell ours. I know. Mine's kind of a bummer. I don't know. I, I When I was writing this, I don't know that I, I you have told me stories about your- I, I don't think I've told you this story. Your youthful dating, but I don't know if I know your first kiss but story. But this, is, this isn't dating, right? This isn't my first like girlfriend or whatever was probably like high school, right? Or, or middle, middle school going into high school. Um, and I think I've talked about that. Oh, is this the, like the party game story? Uh, there was a, yeah. Okay. So we were playing, it, this was like fifth grade though. This was like fifth grade and we were playing truth or dare. And I was about to say her name and I'm almost certain she doesn't <laughs> listen to this show, but just in case I don't want to, uh, put her on blast, but it was like, um, she was, uh, cool. She was like on the, on the I think like, I do know basketball story. team and there were like a bunch of cool kids at this party, but it's still like, it's like fifth grade, right? So you're about to hit that middle school divide where everybody gets separated off and a lot of your friends in elementary school are now cool and you are not. So you'll never yeah. talk to them again. Uh, and this was like the last party before that happened. And we were in her basement playing truth or dare. I think it was her birthday party. Uh, and, uh, or spin the bottle. It was one of those two, but anyway, yeah. we were supposed to kiss. In fifth grade, you're playing spin the bottle? Listen, we're advanced in West Virginia. <laughs> we're, we're, oh, we're, we're a loving people. And she super didn't want, she was like embarrassed, but everybody was like goading her on. And I was like wicked uncomfortable too. Uh, so we were in her basement and like we walked behind a sheet that like separated the party room from the washer and dryer. And she, she kissed me back there and it was just like a quick peck and then everybody back out at the party was like looking through the sheets and started laughing at us like laughing at me and i was like oh cool it was like a gross dare anyway see you guys uh <laughs> see you guys maybe we'll, maybe we'll meet back up in high school and when like everybody kind of like gets uh oh no not in high school either okay it's been fun <laughs> it's been fun let's all think about the good four square we played uh on the fifth fifth grade playground all right bye forever I, I researched Spin the Bottle because I, I figured that was when a lot oh, of people yeah. got their first kisses. And the earliest like um, notation of Spin the Bottle as a concept was like 1925. Yeah. And it, oh, wow. It was not in the kissing sense, though. It was a game that involved spinning a bottle. And it was the first time the phrase had been in print. Huh. But it wasn't like a kissing thing. It was just like a game thing. You had to say a fun limerick about the governor. <laughs> The, the chant, if I remember, was something like, spin the bottle to find who likes butter better. That's way sexier. <laughs> yeah. than, um, uh, what was your first kiss story? My first kiss, I believe I've told you I was in seventh was grade. Our wedding night. What? <laughs> <laughs> I was in seventh grade at a YMCA teen night. Whoa. Uh, my friend was dating the twin of the guy that I kissed. <laughs> You know, this is real. I'm not making this up. It was it was twin boys. They were a year younger. So I was in seventh grade. They were in sixth grade. Uh, one of them had long hair. One of them had short hair. The long hair one 
uh, was set up with me by my friend. She's like, oh, uh, you should date my best friend. So we were at a YMCA teen night. Uh, the whole night we were like around each other, but not really, you know, like interacting much. And then it like the end of the night was coming and I realized like I'm supposed to kiss this guy. Uh-oh. So we go up to the track and we're sitting on the track and I, I like don't know how to do anything, you know, and, and he apparently had dated people already. He was like hot oh, stuff. Wow. And he goes, you're not prude, are you? Cool. I know, right? And I was like, no. <laughs> uh, and then it's like time to go. And my friend is like leaving and we get to the stairwell and I just like close my eyes and start walking towards him and uh and we kiss i'm gonna have to kick this dude's ass (laughs) (laughs) now the tragic part here's the sad part Uh of that story is that years and years later like in high school him and his brother were like in our friend group again and i'd always kind of like joked around with him thinking like he was aware of our shared history and then finally he was just like, why, why are you always like, like teasing me and whatever? And I, and he did not remember. Oh, n- well, we wait kissed. a minute. Wait a minute. Did you get parent trapped? You gotta <laughs> no, always keep no. your head on a fucking swivel. <laughs> no, no. I was like, I was like, do you not remember that we dated briefly? And he's like, no. And I was like, you were my first kiss. And he's like, oh my God. He's like, I do not remember this. That like, is cool, rough. dude. That is real rough cool stuff. So everybody's is probably pretty <laughs> bad, huh? It is. It is. But it, there's such like tremendous detail associated with those stories. Uh, you you didn't provide as much detail, I think, as I was hoping for. I like, don't know how much. I mean, I didn't want to say the person's name. I, I got laughed out of the room. Like what you were wearing. Who else was there? I mean, it was fifth grade. So it was almost certainly a windbreaker suit. <laughs> 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 it was almost definitely a windbreaker suit with a turtleneck on underneath. <laughs> of course. What else would it have been? Um, so so here's the thing. Uh, so there is an author of a book, The Science of Kissing, named Cheryl uh, Kirschenbaum. She said, anticipating a kiss can fire up your brain's reward pathways. The more anticipation you feel leading up to a kiss, the greater the dopamine spike. Referring to the pleasure hormone your brain produces, dopamine energizes your brain and senses and prepares them to fully absorb new experiences and sensory information. Dopamine is also associated with addiction and habit-forming behaviors. Dopamine can also wipe out your appetite and make it hard to sleep, research shows. Uh, Studies have shown that uh, kissing triggers the release of the neurotransmitter serotonin, which causes feelings of obsession. Another Uh-oh. hormone, oxytocin, also spikes during and after your kiss. This fosters feeling of affection and closeness, so it keeps you coming back for more even after the initial high has worn off. Uh, so all that kind of explains to me like why people remember it. You know, is the anticipation like you spend all this time thinking like, what's my first kiss going to be like? Who's it going to be with? You know, like, am I going to do it right? Are they going to do it right? Uh, And then like the experience of that, like releases so many hormones and like makes your senses so heightened. I feel like everybody has these great first kiss stories. But uh, I feel like we are reaching an age where just none of them are going to be like, 
I was in love with this boy in, yeah. in third grade, and we had a, a beautiful, uh, a beautiful romance. And uh, he walked me through a path of roses. It's so, always going to be like somebody dared me to do it. the The whims of fate brought me to kiss him, and then a thousand people laughed at me. So there is so there is a recent study done at the University of Connecticut, and when I say recent, I mean twenty eighteen. Uh, that decided to explore kissing as a reflection of personality. Uh, the researchers um, wanted to determine the motivational and demographic predictors of the age of first kiss using a sample of 738 undergraduates who agreed to participate Um the researchers asked participants to complete measures of religiosity, academic performance, closeness, and autonomy in their relationships with their mothers, use of alcohol, body mass index, and self-esteem. The usual stuff. As of these undergraduates, only 14% had never kissed a partner on the lips. In college? Yeah. Okay. Compared to their peers... I did not mean to sound judgmental when I said that. That was was unintentional. (laughs) Compared to their peers, adults who had never kissed were more likely... um, to be in the honors college. Sure. None of this is going to be a surprise. Less likely to be in a romantic relationship, less extroverted, uh, drink alcohol less frequently. Um, so not, not any like groundbreaking information sure. in that study. Um, but I just, I think it's interesting. I couldn't find what the average age was in the study okay. without downloading the whole thing. Um, nice try, Nexus Lexus. We're not going to fucking pay it for a subscription. What are we in college? Uh, but I, th- I think it's interesting that just as of 2018, people are just like starting to study like, what does this mean exactly about people? And, and why do some people get that experience earlier than others? Yeah. And why is it always so terrible? It's, 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 it's because of it is because of. There was so much pressure around yeah. that age to to kiss. To I kiss. like I thinking about spin the bottle. So I actually did play spin the bottle when I was in sixth grade, but at that age, I just had to kiss somebody on the cheek. Uh-huh. Um, but the thought of kissing anybody made me so uncomfortable for a very very long time. Yeah, well into my teens. Yeah. Because you're not going to be good at it. No. And then they can tell people. That's what I was always so nervous about. Yeah. They they could say, like, how terrible you were. They're also going to be quite bad. It's like a new mouth activity. I didn't start. The first time somebody was like, hey, whistle. It wasn't like I was like. (whistles) No. It's a new mouth thing I had never done before. Do you know, and I hadn't thought about this, and it's obvious when I'm saying it, but humans are the only species that have protruding lips. Hmm. Hmm. All Which right. Maybe I don't know if that explains why we kiss or not, but I find yeah. that interesting. Well, I mean, most most of the other ones just nuzzle, which I'll enjoy that as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think the problem with my first kiss is that I did try to whistle into her mouth? <laughs> I thought that that was an element of it. I thought you were supposed to make a musical sound inside of the mouth of your partner. No. What was the What was the musical sound? Do you remember? It was the Pokemon theme song. Yes, that's a long song. Yeah, I mean, she, and she was paid. She stood there while I did the whole thing. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah, I did the whole theme song and then I did the poker rap. Just that's probably with, why they were laughing, Griffin. Maybe because whistling the poker rap is tough because it's mostly sort of, uh, you know, not not musical. It's just How would of, you whistle Bulbasaur? <whistles> Pikachu? <whistles> 
You're really good at this. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a real Andrew Bird over there. Well, you know, I've had lots of practice. <laughs> a lot of whistling into your mouth over these, <laughs> these wonderful years we've spent together. Uh, hey, hey, let's talk about the Max Fun Drive just one last time. And then we'll let you get back to it. Um, Are we going to read listeners? We will, but maybe we'll do that after if they stick around. You know, we got to give them something to stick (laughs) around for. Maybe your submission, let me guarantee, your submission made it on this time. So listen to us ask you for your support one last time. Go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Become a a member of the network and uh, choose to support the shows that you want to listen to, which if you're listening to this, I, I, I hope includes us. Um, and tweet about it using the hashtag MaxFunDrive. Yeah, um, we we are honored to be a part of this network. It is such an incredible community, uh, so much so that I talked about them during a, a break. Did I do it during last Max Fun Drive? I don't remember. Uh, that would have been awfully no, sycophantic. No, it was before. It okay. was before, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, because of the Max Fun Network, we've been able to turn this into a career. Uh, they... They, they support us in, in a bunch of ways, and uh, you can show your support, too, by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. I would encourage people that, that donate uh, to really um, share, share their enthusiasm with other people and, and encourage other people to donate, too. I think a lot of times pledge drives become kind of something that, that you share accountability with others. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, you know, what really makes a difference is those people that, that want to put their dollars towards, towards something they believe in. Yeah. Um, and again, it's super direct. You pick the shows that you want to support and a small chunk of that goes to maximum fun to help us out with the, you know, the things they help us out with. And the rest just goes directly to the shows that you pick. You get the great pledge gifts. You get all the bonus content at $5 a month. You get the, uh, the pin of your choice as well as the membership card at $10 a month. You get the puzzle and everything that comes before it at $20 a month. Uh, there's a bunch of different donation levels, whatever you are comfortable with, whatever your your means will allow. Uh, we we just really appreciate you showing your your support in such a like direct and genuinely life changing way. Like my life has changed because of this network and because of the people who have come out to um, to say that they like the stuff that we make. And uh, we we will forever be indebted to to you. Um, if you're already a member and you're listening to more shows and you know you have more means this this year, maybe think about uh, bumping up your donation. Um, in, in any regards, maybe take a look at your um, like donation information and make sure that like your credit cards haven't expired yes. because that's actually a huge thing for uh, a, a network like ours that uh, you know uh, depends on those recurring sort of donations. Um, yeah, whatever you can do, MaximumFun.org slash donate. This is the last time we're going to ask you about it. The, uh, the the next episode you hear of this show will not be in the drive anymore. So uh, just do it now if you're thinking about it. Uh, don't, don't you know, give yourself time to forget. MaximumFun.org slash donate. And what date is the drive end? Well, the, uh, the finale is going to be on the 29th, which is going to be uh, Rachel's birthday. That is true, guys. <laughs> I, I am... Not shy about saying that I am turning 37 on Wednesday. It is not an easy age to turn, so it would be helpful to me. <laughs> In addition to Griffin's air horn noise, if, if you would donate. That was not an air horn. That was a, oh, flu- no? that was a flugelhorn. Flugelhorn? A flugelhorn. Can you spell that for me? Flugel? H-O-R-N. Okay. 
hey, can I tell you what our friends at home are very, very excited about these yes, days? Yes, please. Uh, Lucy says, I think stale marshmallows are wonderful. Peep season is here again, but... <laughs> Peep season is here again. How's the harvest this year? But I personally find that marshmallows are not ripe until they've sat out for a bit and gotten a nice crust on their outside. The added texture makes them even more delicious. Oh my gosh, I love the idea of walking into a house and there's like a like a cooling rack just oh. with peeps lined up on it, mm-hmm. getting that nice crisp. Nice crispy barrel-aged peeps. <laughs> barrel-aged marshmallow peeps. Michael says something I find wonderful and he's bolded wonderful. To show us that's the name of the show. Oh, hey, good. Is storing the uh, score sheets of old tabletop or board game experiences along with their box. It makes for a heartwarming reminder of those past games with family and friends every time you open it up. And it can uh, even be a fun conversation starter with those you play with next. I like this. We used to do this uh, with Balderdash whenever we would we play Balderdash like once a year. And so every time we opened up the box, we would like look at our stupid jokes from the previous year that uh-huh. we had played it. And usually we do this a lot hateful. with the game Things. Remember? Oh, Things. Holy shit. Yeah. I still remember some of like the really, really funny answers. Yeah. Things is a game where you get a prompt and it's like things you uh, the one I will never forget was when I was playing um things with i think this is it was uh my friends in chicago who like introduced me to it and one of the prompts was things uh you'd like to do with chocolate and somebody wrote kick its ass and i always thought that was the funniest (laughs) thing i'd ever heard and and uh yeah i love looking back through stuff like that as well uh as well as like old hero quest character sheets uh, if we still had our like childhood copy god i would kill for that just to see what kind of like cool names i gave the barbarians back then uh, Alex says something I think is wonderful is the small fences they put around individual trees to keep them safe and help them grow. It always makes me laugh a little. That Love. is nice. It's nice. It's a little prison for this nasty tree. <laughs> this nasty tree, we can't. It's not ready to be back out in the the general sort of. I wonder of, if dogs respect that. If they're like, oh, you know what, guys, don't pee on this one. It's a keeper. There's a fence there. There's a fence there. Fences are here for a reason. You know, dogs are like, I bet I can still get it. I can still get on that. No problem. Birds are like, whatever. We're up. Fence don't go up. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to all of our shenanigans these past two weeks. Thank you. Oh, and thanks to those of you that uh, watched the live poetry corner I did in the Facebook group. Yes. Uh, you did such a good job. The Facebook platform was not especially conducive yeah, to your no, art. I apologize. I never used it before. I didn't realize how um, twitchy it was. Yes, but uh, still a few days left. We could hop on YouTube and... Yeah, let's say if, if we get to 20,000... I'll do I'll do one on the YouTube. Okay. Do you have enough poems for that? I don't know how many poems there are. Do I have enough poems? Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Okay, good. Um so yes, that's our show. Maximumfun.org slash donate one last time is the link to uh go support us. Uh thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And uh, again, thanks to everybody at the Joko Cruise who came up and said hi. Uh, it was it was really really great getting to meet y'all. We had a great time, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll see you there same time next year. Um, anything else we should say? Guess not. What about um, you know tomorrow's lotto numbers? Just let everybody know that. Use our psychic powers to provide money for our friends. All right, I'm gonna start. But then you give us some of it. In the I'll, g- I'll do chart. one, and then you'll do okay, one. Okay, okay, four. Four. 
Can they do the same number twice? Probably not. I don't think they have infinite balls bouncing around. I can't around. believe I said four and you didn't say. 20? Yes. Or wait, what was the lost shit? <laughs> oh gosh, I'm never going to remember that. Four, eight, 15, 16, 32. Shit, I almost had it. Did that end up meaning anything? Did anything on that show mean anything? <laughs> Please don't go buy lottery tickets because of us. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.